0: Welcome to the Empower to Connect podcast where we come together to discuss a healing centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I am your host. And today on the show, we've got Jesse Ferris and Becca McKay talking about a proactive approach to discipline. Um, typically, when we think about this one in a traditional parenting lens, it is um, behavior correction, behavior modification. We're wanting to uh, take a behavior that came in, address it with discipline in this moment in a way that will prevent that, that action, that behavior from popping out again. Now the problem becomes that uh, when we only engage reactively, we lose the ability to teach all the time. Um, and there's a paradigm shift that we'll have, we'll make in this conversation today that I'm, I'm not going to give away in the introduction, uh, but that is very, very, very valuable for making this shift from reactive to proactive. And so uh, without any further ado, let's jump in here from Becca, from Jesse. Now, here we are talking about a different way to approach discipline. well uh as we talked about in the opening we're here today with Jesse Ferris and Becca McKay and we're going to talk about um discipline and and discipline from a proactive lens today and so um Jesse mentioned when we, before we start recording this sounds like something you would do to fix your gut like a proactive discipline proactive um, discipline it's very right. sounding yeah I mean it does so what I would say is the the entire um premise, though, and, and the actual things we're going to talk about today are so needed and so important. Uh, if that just made you get bored, snap out of it, stop, pour some water on your face, whatever, and then jump back in. Because what, what we actually have to talk about today, I, I think, is, is super, super important. So, um, guys, thanks for being here. And Becca, before we kind of really dive into this, will you just sort of frame uh, this conversation today and, and how we want to look at it as compared to our previous weeks?
1: Yeah. So we've looked at a lot of different sides of discipline. We've explored um, a little bit more of the why. We've thought a little bit boundaries and limits that we might need to set. Um, But kind of an angle that we haven't touched on yet is actually you have more power outside the moment than you might think. So you may feel stuck. You may feel like you're stuck in a season of, okay, I'm trying all these practices. I'm trying all these tools. But when you're trying them is when stuff is not going well. Like when the wheels are falling off the bus, the train is devolving. And so this conversation is just to empower you with a little bit of some ideas, some thoughts, some practices, some real things that you could try um, around those tough and challenging moments. So sometimes we think about discipline. And understandably so, we think about discipline as a reaction to misbehavior. Um, But if we can expand our view and just look at it a different way, then discipline is something that we can really kind of do all the time. Um, And I think Jesse and I were having a conversation at lunch today that was kind of about this topic. So Jesse, I don't know if you wanna jump in here and talk about kind of this idea that we can think about discipline just a totally different way.
2: Sure. I, I don't know about you guys, but when I first became a parent, I mean, there's so many just baked in ideas that we have um, <laughs> that we've collected along the way. Maybe it was the way we were parented or the way certain uh, groups we've been a part of or people we've known have we've just like picked up on ideas or the cultures we've been in. Um, one of these ideas that I didn't realize I held so strongly, but I really did was misbehavior required punishment. I thought, how is any child? I, I, I was, uh, good with the idea that discipline meant teaching. I'm like, okay, I'm on board with that. But also part of the teaching has to be punishment because then how will kids learn not to do it again? Right. And, um, Even when I was thinking as a brand new parent, uh, a lot of these concepts, I came in, like I was exposed to before I even began parenting, but then becoming a parent, realizing how much my sense of justice of like, when something wrong, quote unquote is done, it needs to be punished. There needs to be a punishment. It was like just this like right and wrong sense of justice within me. And, um, i think it was a mindset that really needed to shift for me because it helped me really kind of what becca's saying it had me locked into the moment of misbehavior that in order to teach my kids something i would have to wait for her to misbehave right like and you can't punish something that hasn't happened yet so it's like it was always reactionary it was always chained to the event chained to the moment and when I was able to change my mindset to believe, you know what, discipline means to teach and you can teach in ways other than punishment. Yeah. In fact, what, in what ways just do punishment teach us? Mostly it teaches us to fear, right? Like you can get compliance out of punishing, but it's going to be because a child is afraid of the punishment or afraid of you. And yeah. that's not the kind of compliance I wanted to raise and a human being in my family right i wanted this innate sense of integrity and doing the right thing for the right reason right i can't teach that just by teaching my kid to fear my response um it also requires me to catch the misbehavior every time right because if i'm not seeing it then it's it can't be punished so um like i'm basically reinforcing my kid to fly under the radar or like you know, go, go rogue when I'm not watching. Um, changing that mindset was a game changer for me because then teaching could happen in any moment. I didn't have to wait for misbehavior and, um, Instead of what we call an ETC being an obedience enforcer, I was able to really kind of view, all right, what, what kind of skills are lagging here or what's happening in these moments? Why does it bother me? Is it actually wrong? Is it my own stuff or is it actually something that needs to be corrected? And like, how can I go about teaching a different way? Um, that has been really, really healthy for me as, a, as an individual and as a parent.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I cannot agree more with all that you just said. I, when, uh, before we started out as parents, I was a way better parent than I am now. But like, we all were right. And I had all these ideals set out. I had all the confidence in the world. I knew exactly how I was going to handle every situation. Um, and then our kids were born and I just fell into a deep pit of despair and apathy and frustration. Um, and I've told that part of the story a lot of times before, but one of the things that um Really helps is to pull back um, and think about think about this whole issue, um the way that we would think about uh, teaching a class. like if we talk about discipline being to teach, for most, I think for most of us listening, that is probably not a foreign idea. That's probably not something that we have ne- never heard before. like it's a it's a pretty common thought, and it's not just in the connected parenting world. But if we think of discipline as to teach, you don't think about in a class, uh, starting a class by just giving tests and waiting until kids get wrong answers and then That's correcting right. them on the wrong answers by giving them detention.
2: Like, a good point, JD. We would be pretty upset with a teacher in an educational setting for doing that, right? Yeah.
0: Now I have failed plenty of classes or or tests in my day and got detention plenty in my day, but it, it was in the middle of stuff I was supposed to be doing. <laughs> so, but the in in this context, like if we think about, we've got you know. Big air quotes if you're just listening and not watching class is happening, starting at, you know, when kids come into our home and then class ending, graduating, when that child leaves our home. And the idea is that we are preparing that child to leave our home and to be able to thrive in the world as a human being. Um, That is going to look different for every different child that we're talking about, every person that you're thinking about when we have this conversation and that I'm thinking about and Jesse and Becca. All of us are thinking about different kids in different situations there. Um, there'll be varying levels of independence, varying levels of time when you're leaving the home, professions, what what happens, levels of school, all of that. None of that has anything to bear on what we're talking about today. Th- this is about us being able to prepare our kids also happens outside of the moments of failure or, um, or mess ups. It's happening all the time. That's the paradigm shift we want to have is that we are not just disciplining in moments where there's been wrong action. Now we've got to discipline you. Um, I I think of the um, uh, language in some of the schools as I was growing up, like there's no more corporal discipline in schools. And I remember thinking like that what does that mean? And my parents explained it meant, you know, getting spanked and stuff in school. And I was like, Oh, that's usually the context like that. You think of discipline in a punishment manner, right? But not in a whole lot of other uh, professions and, and areas. So all that said, the goals are for our kids to be able to thrive. So that means that if, if that's what we want, that discipline comes in morning, noon, night, afternoon, you know, middle of the night when they're waking up, you know, scared at all times, we're working on that. Can I say Um, this
2: too? I think, I think sometimes when people interact or think about, interact with, or think about connected parenting, they think, um, well, it has no discipline. I would Mm -hmm. argue that it actually has more discipline because if you're only punishing for your teaching, that's, that's pretty limited. Versus disciplining, like JD just said, morning, noon, and night. It, that's it's like your whole mindset all day long is to teach your child. Right. Um, it's a much more disciplined way of of parenting uh, than one might think. And I I think um, we have to give ourselves grace too. I, I know from when I talk to my kids, I'm like, I've never been a parent before. You guys are teaching me how to be a parent. I've never done this before. And I asked them to give me grace, but guess what? Our kids have never been who they are before either. Like they've never been four or two or eight or 10 and it's their first time. So we're all just kind of learning as humans and that is going to require a little trial and error So it's not that misbehavior is not going to happen. And I think sometimes we can get into this mindset of discipline means, you know, if it's done right, a kid will never misbehave again. Well, no, like we learn from making mistakes as much as we learn from doing things the right way. And so taking all of it, the good and the quote unquote bad and learning from those things, I think is kind of the point of what we're talking
0: about. Well, that idea can be a really difficult idea to get over in your mind. Like if you're trying to make a parenting shift, you've got to intrinsically make that argument for yourself and for whoever you're parenting with to say like, Hey, we're going to make this shift. And here's why. And you kind of, your selling points and all that. But the, in, if you're not careful, the intrinsic expectation becomes and wants to make the shift, everything will be better. it will be so much more peaceful in our home and all of that. Well, it's essentially like you're switching schools or switching teachers, right? Like, you're, you're changing styles of education. It does not mean that you're now expecting your kid to make a 100 on every assignment, every test, have perfect grades, perfect attendance, all that. So if we keep that class analogy going, like that is really helpful as we start into today's today's discussion, like zero people, um, that are listening to this and are parenting at home are going to have 100s or A's across the board for the rest of their parenting career or kids having perfect days and the rest of their behavioral career, right? Like we're all making mistakes along the way. So what we're changing, you know, is from that punishment mindset into a like skill building and, and development mindset.
2: In fact, I, I think add- we
1: can get stuck to on teaching means I should tell them, Well, I've told them we don't hit. Well, I've told them that we're kind. Well, I've told them that care about others and we help others and it's not always about you. Like, so I think sometimes um, even if, like Jesse said even if we've made, if we've bought in, we're like, yeah, I do believe discipline means to teach. Still, we have to unlearn some of the punishment muscle the knee jerk reaction. And we have to expand our view on like how how can we teach kids? How can we discipline kids morning, noon, and night? And if all we're doing is just saying ad nauseum in our family, we don't hit, (laughs) we're not actually teaching them. We're just repeating ourselves over and over again. So I wonder, Jesse, if you could talk about a little bit of like, how do kids, especially, but people, how do people learn? Like what are some of those things that we can do that we can do to help foster that learning that we want to encourage?
2: Well, I think that's a really good question, and I mean, what what I was going trying, what was in my brain as you were starting to speak, Becca, is that uh, I think if nothing changes in this mindset, but our reaction, that's the goal, right? Like, yes, our kids are going to misbehave. I would wonder if punishing kids makes them misbehave less. I don't know, guys. I really don't know. But I I think that is going to be a given. But I think our reaction will change that we are looking for teaching opportunities. And I mean, I get as mad or flustered or or frustrated or whatever in response to these things as the rest of you all do. But I think when we think about how do kids learn, Um, that's a really interesting concept and you guys know your kids, right? If you're listening to this, think through like, what are ways that your kids learn? It's probably as individual as people are, right? So if, if you have multiple kids in your home, they might study for tests in different types of ways. And I, I would add there are probably those same different types in the way that they're learning their life skills. And I do think that that brings up one of the major ways that we would use discipline, which is to teach a skill. So let's say let's say I have a kid that is just melting down all the time. And you know, every afternoon this kid is having meltdowns. Um, I think I would wonder, what skills could I teach this child? Not how can I punish this kid so they stop melting down? But uh, what skills can I teach this kid to help them when when they're in this situation again? Um, And so maybe I would be looking at some co-regulating and some some ways to help this kid learn how to regulate their emotions. And I would be doing that with them. I'm thinking about, um, there was, I've had a kiddo in my family who uh, had trouble listening, especially if we were out in public. kiddo would run away from me and it wasn't like I it's that's really hard because you don't want kiddo to run into the street you don't want kid to cross the street like a lot of us will be like oh I'm all into this until my kid's in danger and then whatever I'll do whatever I need to do which okay yes however I learned that there's something innate about um calling out red light And kids just stop because they know how to play that game, red light, green light, right? Or at least my kids did. So when I go out in public with this child at that age, and we still do this sometimes, we play red light, green light. And I know that kid is going to listen to me. And so when you play a game like that, you're teaching your kid to listen to your voice, to listen and follow instructions. Um, I wonder what other games you could play to teach skills that are lagging. Uh, Does your kid have trouble taking turns? Why don't you play a game like a board game that requires taking turns? It's going to be really hard, but you can support them through it and just practice. So much of teaching, I think, requires doing something over and over and over again, at least for me. I don't know about y'all, but Mm -hmm. I've got to practice. I mean, you think about the way that our kids uh, go to sports practices or learn to play the piano. They have to try it again and again and again, they have to practice. And I would say the same is true for a lot of skills that, um, we see are lagging as we observe from this behavior.
0: Yeah. That's so good. I, I think of, you know, within this conversation, we, you talked about having, um, a runner. We had, uh, Years ago, we were living in a neighborhood that would probably be described as the hood, but just, I mean, just a, a tough neighborhood. Like it was not always safe on our street, um, not always safe, you know, outside of our house. So we had to have pretty tight rules about when you could or couldn't go in and out of the house um because you didn't know if like a shooting was about to happen. You didn't know if cars were, were you know, speeding up and down the street, whatever. Um, and and whatever picture you have in your mind, like just stick with that for this illustration. But we had a kid who was learning how to open the doors and he learned how to unlock. Uh, the front door, and uh, unlocks the front door, and we're we're out. You know, the kid was three, so it was not on our radar yet. It, like a locked door was in danger, so unlock the door, unlock the storm door, and open the storm door, and they start walking out. And I mean, there was nothing going on, but like this kid walked into the street and ran. I mean, I like tear out through there, yank the kid up, you know, bring him back inside, and we had to have a long. Like long, long conversation about it. Well, he's still at three; does not comprehend. Like, hey, like we're also not trying to say like if you step outside, you're gonna get shot. Like, that's not an existence that we want to like bring him into, right? But with trying to teach him in a contextualized way, could I have brought him in and used a traditional parenting method with which I was parented uh, to drive home fear of ever opening that door again? Yes well, guess what? That's outdated pretty soon because then that kid's going to have to open the door on his own when I asked him to, to grab mail or to go get their sister or whatever. Like, so that skill was going to have to be developed to perceive and to listen and just to ask permission. For us, it was, you just have to ask before you ever open that front door. Okay. We can't keep you safe if you, if you open the door without us. And so you've got to ask permission before. And so ours was less of a game and it was more trying, this kid responded really great to like positive reinforcement. So, I mean, literally like a, like a sea lion at the zoo, like, you know, every time that he stopped, I was like, can I go outside know, can I open the door right now? And we would say, no, he'd say, okay. And we'd throw him an M&M <laughs> and like, we did that several times. And then it just became a game we'd cheer and give him a high five, whatever. Well, then it just became part of his regular existence. Like I, I'm going to go outside when I'm allowed to. But there's a why now. This now ingrained, and it's a very simple script for him to remember. Like I can't, mom and dad can't keep me safe if I go outside without asking them. And so, like that's how that worked. That stuck and 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 was able to like be a part of that kid's life way easier and way more logically than if I had you know brought him in and done what would have happened to me growing up, um, and like just scared him out of ever touching the door again.
2: Yeah, I think if you take I love your story, JD, because it could have been just about the door, but you actually taught to ask permission, uh, in lots of different situations. And so that that's going to serve you beyond that specific situation. And isn't that true discipline, right? It's not just this moment, this thing that's happening. It's we're teaching skills for life, um, Uh, your, your story reminded me, and I think I've given it on this podcast before, but um, we had trouble losing games at a certain age stage. Maybe it was me because I'm pretty competitive. Y'all know, maybe it was me that we were teaching that skill to, but we made it a game to see if we could lose 10 times and whoever lost 10 times actually won the game. So it's like, just play into what you're trying to reinforce and, uh, see what you can do. You know, like if, if you've, it's this idea of scaffolding too. Becca and I were talking about that earlier today of like, it might be too big to, uh, teach all the reasons like JD is saying of like, why it's dangerous to unlock the door and go out of the door by, by yourself. But, you can ask, you can start with the very first piece of that, which is asking permission. Or I'm thinking about like if cleaning a room. I, I I think I've given this example before too. But if cleaning a room is too big of a skill to teach, you know how to clean up after yourself, then like just teach your kid the first part, right? Like when yes. we've had to clean rooms before I've drawn a treasure map and really all that is, is like breaking it down into smaller pieces. So yep. instead of teaching a kid to clean up after themselves all the time, what if you just start with the shoes, like put your shoe, we're going to put our shoes away after we get home every single day this week, you know, and to your point, JD, that's not a game, but you can start small, you know, it's just teaching these little things.
0: Yeah. And I, think I you... like
2: what both of you guys are saying, because I think too,
1: it just changes so much as kids grow. Yeah. So I like what you're saying because it's like, you're teaching them the bigger skill. So think about like, be kind, be kind for a kindergartner pretty much is like share and take turns. Okay. But if we translate that to our teenager, we might be teaching them, Hey, you can be kind to friends, but we don't share our, expensive ipad with them because it could get broken so here's how we respectfully set a boundary well we're not teaching that to a kindergartner we're not teaching you know like there's different lessons that kids experience throughout life and so what we're doing whenever we look at discipline morning noon and night is we're just teaching these bigger picture skills and i love what you're saying jesse because it's so easy to say to a kid be kind there's like 108 things that we mean when we say be kind we're like you didn't see that he was crying you didn't think that you should have asked him how he was doing and how he was feeling that's a skill well you didn't see that she didn't have the toy that you that you know you had one and your brother had one but sister didn't have one like we're creating these really like simple scripts around really complicated ideas so we need to really be willing to slow down and teach little pieces like it's kind to wait your turn is one tiny lesson like out of a hundred and so i just like that both of you guys are and i think parents just need to remember the lessons change like uh if a 17 year old is not opening the front door without saying dad can i open the door um there's some cases where that's appropriate depending on your kid and your situation there's other cases where that's they need to be able to do it. They need to be able to open the door and jump in the car and go to school without asking permission. And that could actually create problems. So I like that you're highlighting. It's not about the specific behavior. It's about the context and what you're trying to accomplish to keep them safe, to help them grow, to help them learn all those types of things.
2: And think about this too. I mean, the older my kids have got, one of the cooler things that can happen is you can actually talk about things that have happened in the past. So having those conversations, maybe you already do that, y'all, but when you're doing it, you're disciplining, you're teaching outside of the moment, you're practicing. Um, You can do this before something happens. You can do it after something has happened. Um, So, you know, whether it's like they're worried about going to a social gathering. And so you're talking through like, who's going to be there? What are you going to do when you go inside the door? Um, Who are you going to look for? What are you going to do if this happens? Uh, not in an anxious way, but just kind of like talking it through. I know I still do this sometimes when I'm feeling anxious about something or just needing some instruction. Um, like, what should I expect? What will it be like? How should I prepare? Um, I think after afterwards, you know, this is probably what we're most familiar with is like, hey, yesterday you acted this way. And it really hurt my feelings when you talk to me that way. Why did you say that? And, you know, I mean, adults can have those conversations with other adults. Adults can have those conversations with teenagers or with kids. Um, That kind of stuff is just circling back. It's not, it's not just brushing over the behavior. It's, it's going back to it when you guys are in a more connected place. So Mm -hmm. I might do that when, when I'm in the car with a kid and we are not making eye contact we're, you know, like held hostage inside the vehicle because it's moving and we're strapped in, but there, it, it is also like a little bit less uh, spotlight on the kid because maybe they're in the back seat or they're sitting next to me and they're not facing my face um, or when you're taking a walk. Or I, I love having conversations like that at bedtime because I just find that my kids are a little softer maybe i'm a little softer depending on the way the day's gone yeah. uh and and you know they're sleepy and you're just kind of open to the types of conversations where you can wander together or or have a conversation um that's a little more open
0: I, w- I wonder if we can talk about you know we we mentioned this before recording but this is a fascinating thought to me but there's there's some thought and gordon newfeld talks about it some in his um, in his book, or Jesse, if you want to talk about this, but the the thought that attachment, like healthy attachment actually drives this, this, uh, habit of learning and trusting your caregivers and asking them for help and leaning on them when you need it. Um, I think this is a, I was going to say hilarious. It's not the word I meant to say. Uh, I think it is an amazing, uh, thought or idea. And so let's talk about that for a few minutes as well.
2: Yeah, I, I also think it is fascinating that we've basically been wired um, to for connection, right? We know this, but when kids are attached to caregivers, to safe adults, uh, they desire to receive instruction from those safe people. And I think that is something that happens biologically that I just find fascinating that this, like it's science. It's the way that Uh, Our nature works is, and if you think about it, like y'all think about that, you were probably learned more from the teachers that you felt the most connected to as you were growing up or those coaches versus the teachers that you didn't really like very much. You probably didn't receive very much instruction from them, right? Um, or, Or times when we've received instruction from adults or caregivers that we've really respected or really um, really trusted. That's kind of the way that it works. Now, I'm not saying that, like, if our kids misbehave or they disobey our instructions, that it means that they're not attached to us. But I think I think you can recognize that when when you have a connection with a kid,, uh, there is something between you two where they there is an openness. There's an openness to your instruction. Y'all, I know I am saying this and I am currently parenting a 13-year-old. So, I I know that that does not always look the same way at every age. Right. Um right. And like, let's just take a deep breath and just say bless all our hearts right now, okay? But even in parenting an adolescent, I am noticing that when I am connected with that kid, when there's strong relationship going on, that kid is more receptive to what I say more receptive to my bids for connection. And um, so I think the flip side can be true and a good question to ask ourselves when we're experiencing misbehavior a lot and a lot of chaos and a lot of uh, maybe just disobedience or, um, or or whatever you would call that. I know I know disrespect can be huge with parents. Um, I would wonder, a question to ask ourselves, what's going on with your connection with that kid? And guess whose job that is? It's ours as the parent, right? It's our job to be the safe adult. It's our job to make those bids for connection. We offer it, right? We can't make our kids connect with us. We can't make our kids obey, but we offer that connection. And I think, um, I have found in seasons when there is a lot of tough behavior going on that um, my connection with that kid is on a on a thin string, right? And the more I have reinforced that, um, that connection and the more that I have kind of put in that relational work, um, the stronger the bond between us grows and the more receptive that kid is to receiving teaching from me.
1: Mm -hmm. And even just problem solving together like I know I'm the person that always brings up marriage on this podcast but I think I like think about these principles when my husband and I are like in a season where we are not feeling super connected for like whatever reason we're stressed we're in a period of grief there's something going on. Um, those are the times when, you know, you could call it misbehavior. You could call me like snapping at someone misbehavior, even though I'm a grown adult. We don't think about it that way. ourselves
2: Misbehaving. Do we Becca?
1: We don't, we don't like to think about it, but that's me misbehaving. And that happens most often when there's not that foundation. And it's like kind of a double edged sword where it's like, we're already not connected. Then I'm misbehaving more, then I'm getting less connected. And the the tendency or the draw or the push is like, just leave me alone. Like, let's just back off. Like, which we've talked in other episodes is because I have a flight stress response. So I'm like, get me out of here. But I think it's illustrating what you're saying, Jesse, which is like, those are the times when I need to find intentional ways to connect. Because we need that foundation so that we can problem solve when those tiffs come up. And so I know it's, it's, we're talking about kids and, and I think it's the relationship is obviously different, but I think there's a similarity there of just like that relationship with the kid that when you hear this podcast, you know, the one you're thinking of that's probably the kid where you need to think about that investment into the connection. And you might need to get super creative. It might be in tiny doses. It might be, you know, focusing on an interest that they have that you're like investing in because it's important to them, even if you don't care so much about it. Like that's the relationship that needs more of an investment. Um, Even though everything within you is wanting to probably back off, duck and run, get away, like, uh, that's that internal. Um, well, it doesn't feel good to be rejected. So when we feel that's rejected,
2: logical, Becca, like Gordon, yeah. would also say that when we're disconnected with someone, we are biologically wired not to want to listen to them, not yeah. to want to be with them. So it's like biology goes against us in, yeah. in that kind of way. Yeah. yeah, but you're so right. It's that's when we've got to pull close, and it's our job as parents to do that. I think. I think this is where connected parenting gets a bad rap because it feels very touchy-feely to say, um, you've, we've got to create felt safety. We've got to strengthen our connection with kids. And that is included in discipline. Like to think about discipline as connection feels very like, oh gosh, that's not my thing. I want, I want my kids to do what I say, but it, it's, it's it's leading to a greater outcome. It's leading to an outcome that keeps your kid in conversation with you, that keeps your kid learning from you. I think about even my connection with my mother today and how I am still learning from her as an adult in my forties. And it's because I have that connection with her. that's That's what I desire for my relationship with my kids.
0: Yeah, that's so good. I, uh one thing that's fascinating to me is the subconscious elements of of how these things are being taught, right? So like if if our kids we have a strong connection and they are then witness they're witness by participation to a connected approach where you are um where you are you know teaching all the time, you're disciplining and out of um, proactivity not not only out of reactivity as well, but all those things are then setting norms and frameworks in your kids' minds as they grow up. That this, at least for for them, is how they are is how parenting works. Like, and so we want some of these. I'm I, in Memphis, Tennessee. Like, crime and cyclical crime and all of that is a massive conversation all the time. What well, we want to produce safer communities generationally, year over year over year, like let's find more connected families in those communities because those cycles also reproduce, right? Like those, those cycles also then help to produce, um, a, a child who's growing up with an understanding of how to create felt safety without even realizing that's what they are creating. Like they're, they're finding norms of my parents did this, this, and this with me and all that Mistakes, yes, all those things, but the the biggest picture there is of what connected parenting how it looks like. It it mirrors um, as it reproduces, right? So like as as generations go on, like there's some mirroring to that, and hopefully some sharpening in each layer of mirrors. And um, but that is something that that I love the thought of is that subconscious building that we're doing. Um, we're not saying like, look, four year old. One day you're going to have to parent and you have to know that in these moments, these are the tools that you'll need to do this. Like you can't, that's not happening, but this subconscious storage system that we're building um, does hold those things um, closely.
2: We often talk about this kind of parenting as investment parenting. It really is an investment. And um listen, <laughs> I and just like anyone else in that, when I tell a three-year-old what to do, I want them to do it, right? I want that three-year-old to be the best three-year-old they can be. And um, I think so often we are wanting to shortcut growth, right? Like we just want to get to the end. But parenting is a long-term investment. Like when we signed up for this in whatever way we signed up for it, we knew that it was like a lifelong role in some ways. And um, there's no shortcut to learning. Like you just, it's, I think that is almost unbearable. It's very hard for me to hold that messy middle of like, you know, listening to a 13 year old say the most ridiculous thing ever and be, and be like, okay, you know, like, let's talk about that. And And just know that that person is is evolving and going to grow. That person is growing. And like, this is not the end of her story. And like, someone did that for me once, right? And someone did that for JD, for Becca, and for you listening. Heard us in whatever age we were or saw us acting the way we were acting. And we're different people now. And I think to recognize that we all get to grow on this lifelong journey. Like, I know I'm kind of waxing eloquent about it, but like our five-year-old, that's not the end of their story. The 13-year-old, not the end of their story. Like there's more to learn. There's more to grow. And it doesn't all have to happen in the year of 2024.
1: Right. And I think because this is our final episode on this topic, I think it, I just has to be said in case it hasn't been said enough in all the other ones. Ultimately, adults cannot control a child's behavior. We can support, we can respond well in the moment. We can be proactive outside the moment and we can offer support, guidance, connection, care. But if you're listening, which I know some of you guys are from like a really, really, really difficult season, maybe even with a young adult. I do want you to remember that, like, ultimately, it's so hard, but parents can't control who their kid becomes. There's a lot we can do. And we would like to focus on that here at the podcast. We like to focus on what we can do, ways we can think about things differently or try different things, because it's important to do that. And it's important to set an environment for learning. But I also want us to remember that ultimately, like, people have autonomy and people have personalities and people have temperaments and people have, um, things that they, that they deal with and things that they process as they grow. And so just, I, I feel like that needed to be said as we kind of rounded it out is like, it's so hard not to think about discipline in terms of I'm going to fix that person's behavior. Um, and I know even today, even in any of our episodes, we do give some ideas that we think might help to support behavior, but that's not the goal. The goal is really more internal. The goal is really more about our adult behavior. How are we going to behave morning, noon, and night mm-hmm. to create that environment that is safe for our kids, no matter who they become as they grow.
2: And we we get to grow too, right? So if you're listening and maybe you're feeling a little shame, like I would have in my punishment mindset days of like, oh, good grief, that is me that's describing me and I don't know what the next step is like just investigate your responses and like how how can you teach things in a different kind of way in a way that um remains connected to your kid and in whatever way you can offer
0: yeah I agree (laughs) (laughs) um any last thoughts you know in, in terms of the last thing you said Jesse like the There are some practical things here. Are there any kind of quick hitter, practical things you think about within this conversation um, that can be just, you know, bullet points for us to leave with?
2: If you're driving in your car or folding your laundry or whatever you do when you listen to podcasts and you're thinking like, okay, how, where do I start with this? I think I would encourage you to think about the thing that happened most recently in your family that caused a blow up or caused you to feel like extreme displeasure, you know, like what was that thing? What caused it? Was it, um, I would, I would have you think about like, is there a skill there that wasn't present, you know? Okay. So I'm, I'm thinking, let's walk through something. I'm thinking about this, the mornings in my house this week have been pretty chaotic um, no one's doing what they're supposed to do. Everything's going wrong. Like everyone's getting huffy. Um, I may or may not have sent a text to my husband just this morning that said, sorry, I came in hot this morning. Like I just like came downstairs and was like, you know, came in big. Um, what I'm going to think about, you know, as I hear myself say, when is the last time? I'm like, well, it was this morning. Maybe yours was even like, yeah, as soon as mine was, I'm going to think like, okay, what's, what's missing there or what is present or what is missing and how can I support what needs to be happening? So I'm thinking, okay, I, I think we probably need to like reset our routine, right? Like There's something that's not happening that should be happening. And whether that's like going through what we do in what order or like, is our morning routine off? Do we need to like, do I need to wake up earlier so I can go down and be present to like help with the transition? Do I need to like, I probably need my husband and I texted a little bit about it today too. Like, okay, we probably need to talk through what's happening in the morning. Those aren't feeling great um that to me is the discipline that's the discipline that we practice um my daughter was recently asked like what what's the punishment in your family you know they were like in some kind of youth group saying and it was like an icebreaker and she couldn't come up with one which was hilarious but i think it's because so often we're teaching those things and the way that we just reset you know um I'll I'll give you an example last week um I I had some trouble with someone listening to directions and so I have started asking that person like in a funny way will you literally mimic me after I give the instructions and then say got it and so she thinks it's hilarious because now she gets to make fun of my directions but I know at least that they heard what I said <laughs> um So which like listening to the directions when you may or may not have headphones in that's, that's the skill I was trying to build. So just think through, I would encourage you just think through, what was the last thing that like you really didn't like and think through like, okay, how, how could I do that different? How can I support what I'm wanting to happen? And that would be the question I would ask.
1: Can I add a layer to that, Jesse, as we wrap up here, I think, I, there's obviously we have, there's like a behavior iceberg. So when a behavior happens, there's thousands of things that could be happening, but three big buckets that I think about are skills that need to be developed, motivation. Sometimes the behavior happens because the kid isn't motivated and then regulation. Sometimes the behavior happens because a kid is dysregulated. So I think what I think about in this conversation is We can take proactive steps on all three of those fronts. So whether it's a skill that isn't there, whether it's a motivation, like we're not finding what is motivating this kid appropriately, or whether it's a regulation thing, um, we can take steps on all three of those outside of the moment. So when we say outside of the moment, we mean outside of that moment of dysregulation or um, disconnection or whatever is happening right then and there in that little volcano moment that's happening. So I just would add that layer to what you said. Same thing you said, think about it, process it, but maybe just add the idea, okay, I can't think of a skill, but I do know, well, when we stay up late, my toddler in the morning is completely impossible to wake up. That would be a regulation issue. And so the answer to that kind of challenge would be, we we probably all need to go to bed earlier. Like there's some things that you can shift and that you can tweak that are related to those three big buckets, I think.
2: And I think that that's good, Becca, because you can hear it in the way that I'm kind of workshopping that problem real time. And yeah. do I need to change the environment? Do I need to change my own behavior? Yeah. Do I need to provide a checklist? Like, what are some things that need to happen? Um, guys, I don't know. Stay tuned. It's, it's going to be trial <laughs> and error at the Ferris house.
0: That's right. Well, and yeah, same at the Wilson House too. I, yeah. I think my only, my only advice as we kind of close this conversation now is just um, whatever is most helpful for you to keep that framework set in your mind. Um, all of us are going to have reactions to misbehavior, especially when that misbehavior is particularly annoying or egregious. And so those reactions are are harder to control. I can't tell you to like, you know, how to control your survival response, obviously, but if we have a regular way of thinking through, like I'm, I'm not punishing, I am disciplining, and I'm not disciplining, I'm teaching. Like I'm, I'm teaching these behaviors. It will help us to think about um, outside of the moment the things that are particular issues. And so, yes, all the things that that everybody has pointed out so far. Um, for me, the bigger deal is my filter. It's less tactical things in the moment. Um, if I had the filter set right, like I can take a behavior in a moment and then begin to think through it the proper way. Still addressing it. Misbehavior is still not let go, but being addressed in a more holistic, hopefully better long-term way than just in the moment, hammering out uh, punishment to break behavior. And so uh, work on your filter, your framework uh, that you have for discipline. And um, hopefully the series has been helpful for you. I mean, it's, for being a person who's on the podcast, talking and listening each week, like wildly helpful for me, especially through the holiday season, um, as we were recording these. And so, um, yeah, guys, appreciate all of your insight today. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Uh, well, again, a huge thank you to Jesse and Becca and, and I have needed this every bit as much as, um, uh, any anybody else listening, because um, this has been one area that I've always struggled with. And um, we talk all the time on the show about how our upbringing, how our our um, environment, how all the experiences that we have in life play into how we parent. Um, and only thinking through parenting from one lens for so long um, lends itself to uh, easily forget or easily uh, lose track of ways that you're trying to change. And so taking a more connected approach a more attachment centered, attachment focused approach in our parenting means that we're going to have to be retraining ourselves all the time. And so today, all I'm telling you was a um, helpful reminder for me and what I hope it was for you as well. And so um, I'm leaving today thinking about when I am um, at home engaged or disengaged, uh, I am teaching and when I am uh, on it with my kids and when I am uh, making mistakes and having a repair, I'm teaching. So all those things are helping to play into um, the the discipline that I am uh, bringing into our our lives and within our family. And so uh, I've got to be mindful of that. And so we're going to shift from only thinking reactively to thinking proactively and thinking about uh, discipline as teaching all the time. So uh, for everybody here at ETC, I hope that today was as impactful for you as it was for me, for Kyle Wright, who edits and engineers all of our audio. Uh, For Tad Jewett, the creator of the music behind the Empowered to Connect podcast, I'm J.D. Wilson, and we'll see you next week on the Empowered to Connect podcast.